Oh, good morning. So, so we're in the final week of this series. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Oof. It's been a kind of a rough series. I mean, it, it's hurt me a couple times during this series. But, but next week, I do want to let you know that starting next week, we're going to be beginning a new series that's going to take us through the rest of October. And what we're going to do is look at how ineffective fear makes us. You know, so as we're in October, you got Halloween coming. We're actually going to be talking about fear. And unfortunately, even us as a church, a lot of times a church, when we live in that fear factor of our life and inside the church, that we as a church can become a haunted house. You see, because what happens is we'll stay inside and we'll close up the shutters and the blinds and, and we worry about every fear that's going to jump out of every corner at us. So we end up being in this haunted house and looking inward instead of being an outward-looking sanctuary for those who are lost. And how we should embrace that fear because we know who our God is and be able to face that fear and move on and understand that fear is nothing but a liar. And that we can continue to move forward and be the church that is out there in the world instead of being a haunted house where we just look inward. But of course, we need to finish this series first. And, and you know this whole, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I kind of really want to start the next series, but we got to finish this one up first. And, and you know, one of the things I've noticed is during this series is, like I said earlier, it's kind of hurt a couple times because there's been a couple of these different weeks that really hit home for me. You know, how many times do I procrastinate? How many times do I don't want to feel the pain in order to get the gain? You know, and as we go through this life and it just gets this point of, hey, well, I just want to grow, but I don't want it to hurt. And then the understanding of, you know, sometimes things have to change. You know, and there are things in my life and there's things that I would love to see changed. But there's other things that I really want to stay the same, you know, because I kind of like it that way and I kind of prefer it this way, but change happens. And even talking with different people after the different weeks, I realize how it's affected others also. When I've gotten them, and you know, Pastor, that really hurt. And I was watching the sermon series or even when I was sitting there, you know, Pastor, I was squirming in my seat because you were talking about me. You know, and, and I really didn't want to hear that subject preached, but, but it happens. And, and just like if the way it makes you feel, there's many times it makes me feel the same way. Because unfortunately, as we all know, change is not something we like. In most cases, we do not like change. We'd rather it stay the way it is and continue moving forward because we get very comfortable in the way that we live or very comfortable in the way that things do. But ultimately, we need to remember that, yes, as much as God loves us right where we're at, he, he loves us and he's going to come into wherever we're at. He loves you too much to keep you there. And in order to do that, that requires change on our part. And, and it means that we've got to actually move and do something. So as we continue to go through the series, you know, you got to ask, well, how do I change? 
how much it changes my responsibility or how much of it is supernatural or maybe I just need some hypnosis in order to change. <laughs> you know, I, I just need something. And so, and the big thing is, well, how much of a part in my change do I take? Is it all up to me or, or, or what, what's the deal with it? And that's actually kind of what we're going to be looking at today. Because one of the things that you learn is, is in order to succeed in change, you've got to change your habits. Because your habits are what drive what you do each and every day. And each one of us have habits, whether they're good habits or bad habits. We all have habits. And they control the way we do our life. And I, as Christ followers, we need to understand that cultivating spiritual habits is going to fuel us to change and it's going to fuel our growth. But it's making them spiritual habits. And that's something we need to do is we need to honestly say, you know what? I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to make these habits in my life that are going to help me to grow spiritually. Because we'll take on all other kind of habits because they're fun or they're easy. And while this is the way we do it and this become a habit, but then when we got to change and we're all called to be more like Christ, it means we have to make some habits in our spiritual life also. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you, but as always, it will be up here on the screen. And with that being said, 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 16. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe." Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your, your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of the hands by the council of elders, Practice these things, be committed to them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So, <coughs> Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see. Lord, open our hearts that we may receive your word. And Lord, may my words be yours and may your name be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> so one of the things you know, we need to look at is discussing our habits and the decisions that we make. You know, the habits that we have in our lives, the decisions that we make in our life, impact us and they can impact us not only this day or this week, they can impact us for an eternity. They can impact 
what we do the rest of our life. And unfortunately, some of us have habits that aren't good. And we need to understand that the goal of this Christian life is literally for us to be more like Jesus. Think about that. The goal of your life as a believer in Jesus is to become more like Jesus. But how many times do we actually think about, I need to be more like Jesus, and we work on these spiritual habits or we make decisions based on who he is and what his word says instead of what we want or the habits that we've had in our life. We would get so stuck on what we believe in or what we have always done because this is the way it's always been done that we will fall short of being like Christ because we're stuck in our past or we're stuck in our old habits or maybe some old decisions in our life. And I think it's interesting here, it says in verse 7, pointless and silly myths. Man, there's some pointless and silly myths in today's world, isn't there? And you think about this, back when the Apostle Paul was writing this to Timothy, they had people at that time thinking that they were more spiritual because they had this special knowledge. They had this special knowledge and, and you know, so I am more spiritual and I am more closer to Jesus than you are because I've got this head knowledge. It had nothing to do with heart change or anything like that. And I think we get caught up that same way today. We, we get kind of caught up in, in, well, you know, you're not Baptist. So you ain't going to heaven. Oh, well, you know, you're one of them Catholics. Or you're Lutheran. Or you're this or you're that. Now, under, don't get me wrong. Believing doctrine matters. But doctrine comes down to what God's word says, not what we do inside a church, not the myths, not the traditions that we have inside of a church or inside denomination. Salvation comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. It doesn't come through what a sign says. It doesn't come from what you do inside the church. It comes from a sound doctrine of confession, repentance, and believing of Jesus as your Messiah. That's what it comes down to. But we would get so caught up in everything else, and we get so caught up in these, in these myths or this silliness of, well, this is what we've got to do. And yes, there's a lot of people out there who are chasing after the wrong doctrine, they're chasing after the wrong teachings, and thinking there's some type of head knowledge that's going to get them into heaven when the only way to get into heaven is confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Period. It's no special handshake. It's nothing special about, well, it's, you know, God's promise you've got to, oh, it says it, so you've got to believe it and take it, and he's going to give you everything you want in your life. It's, that's not how he works. Being a Christian is hard work. And if anyone ever said becoming a Christian is going to be easy, they lied. Because being a Christian, there is nothing easy about being a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you think, oh, it is so easy. You really got to ask yourself, are you just checking the marks? Or are you actually doing what God's word calls you to do? Because if you're just checking the marks, you're never going to be attacked by Satan. Because you're going to be hanging out with Satan instead of fighting against what he calls us to fighting against what he does. If you're with the culture and doing exactly what the culture tells you to do, 
Are you really doing what God's word tells you to do? Because God's word's a whole lot different than the culture. And ultimately, we got to look at doing what is right and becoming more like Jesus than just doing check marks. And I know for most of us, we're going to say, well, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try, Pastor. I'm going to do the best that I can do. You know, it's kind of funny. That always reminds me of the fact of, hey, Mike, I'm going to try and make it to your party on Friday. Y'all know what I really said? Hey, Mike, I ain't coming. But I was being polite, saying I'm going to try and do it. Well, how many times do we do the same thing with God? Well, God, I'm going to try. Trying ain't going to happen. Yes, trying is a thing we need to try. We need to take them steps and take the first steps into, I'm going to try and read God's word. I'm going to try and be better today than I was yesterday. And it's a good start, but guess what? Trying's not enough. Trying isn't going to get you to the goal. It's only going to get you started. And it's a great thing to get started and understand that we need to continue to move. But, but trying is the start, but we got to take it that step farther. We got to go a little farther than I'm going to give you the old college try. Because y'all know the old college try doesn't work, right? How many people have tried the old college try and it actually worked? Generally, it doesn't. So understand, trying is a good start, but you, but you actually got to train to get better. Think about it this way. How many people, you, know, you, you watch and you see an athlete, and, and they make these one-handed catches, and they, they do these crazy, you know, half-court making baskets, you know, hitting 60-something home runs in a season. And, and you see these athletes, and you're like, man, that is crazy that they can do that. Well, maybe you see a musician who, who just, when they play the music, it's like they're just, it's just so natural. It's just coming out to them. And, and you're sitting there and you're looking back going, man, I wish I could do that. Is trying going to get you to be able to do that? No. It's going to take practice. It's going to take training. Think about growing up, if you played a sport, you know, for baseball, it was that, you know, the, the coach puts you in that batter's box. Hey, this is how you hold the bat. This is how you put your feet. Get the bat off your shoulder. This is how you turn your head. And they walked you through the mechanics of getting up there and swinging at a baseball. Or even getting your body in front of it. And every sport out there has an athletic stance. You know, feet about shoulder width apart, slightly bent on the knees, able to be more up on your toes and on your heels so you can move. And, and you do this over and over again, and it starts to become natural, but it's because of the training that you did. It's just like a, a musician who spends hours upon hours practicing so that it actually sounds like it's natural. You know how many times they've played the same chord over and over and over and over again for it to be able to come out and them to put the chords together? And a lot of times we miss that fact. This past Monday night, yes, my Cowboys beat the Giants. Woo! Uh, C.D. Lamb made a one-handed catch in the end zone. He made a one-handed catch with the uh, DB right on him, put the hand up, made this beautiful one-handed catch, and it was actually the go-ahead score in the game and turned out to be a winning score. 
and everyone talking about, man, that was an amazing catch. He, this one-handed catch, and, and everyone's like, man, that was crazy. Do you know how many times he's practiced that? Do you know how many times wide receivers practice one-handed catches? I can tell you on Thursday nights at youth, the youth will practice a one-hand catch. Because there's something about being out there and just catching that ball with one hand. And they'll spend hours and hours and hours doing that one-handed catch to the point that it becomes so natural to them. Now, what is interesting, C.D. Lamb made this great catch right before halftime. He had a ball hit him right in the hands. A normal, everyday catch that every one of us would probably make and it went right through his hands. And the reason it went right through his hands is because he took his eye off the ball. And I think we kind of do that same thing in our life. You know, we, we can sometimes make them one-handed catches for God, but then other times we miss the easy ones because we take our eyes off of God and his word. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at where we want to go or what we want to do. And we end up missing the mark. We miss the mark or we miss what God's calling us to do because we think we got it. We think we got it. We, we've checked off all the check marks. And so really all we got to do is just do what God called us to do. And, and, and I'm good. I, I don't need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I do this every day, so I'm good. And as soon as you start thinking, hey, I do this every day, I'm good, and you can take your eyes off of the Lord, you're going to stumble. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to miss the ball. You're going to miss that catch, and then you're going to be wondering, oh, why did I do that? Because you put it on yourself instead of relying on God. And instead of practicing it, you just took it as, oh, I can do this. It takes training, and it takes that intensive continue to do it. Remember, God's Word trains us on living a good life. If we do what God's word calls us to do, we will actually live a better life than someone who is not doing what it says. Now, yeah, they may have stuff, but does stuff really matter? No, because guess what? You can't take it with you. Think of all them people who had all that stuff over there on the West Coast, and it's now gone. Stuff don't matter. What matters is they still are living and breathing. They can still go on and move into this next day. And guess what? You can always get more stuff. But we'll get so hung up on the stuff instead of getting hooked, hooked on what we need to do and being more like Jesus in everything that we do. So we need to train spiritually. And you may think, Pastor, what do you mean train spiritually? We, we, we need to go above and beyond just coming to church. You need to take time. You need to read God's word. And I know everyone, oh, well, I read the Bible. Well, how often? Do you actually take time each and every day to open up God's word and read the Bible? See, some of us won't even open up the Bible during the day. We'll get an email devotional or we'll read the devotional and say, well, I spent time with God but you never actually opened up his word. You know, the one thing I like about my U version, about the U version Bible app is 
It, it gives a streak, a number of days that you've used that app. And I can tell you when I was at 735 days and I missed a day, and then that next day it went back to one, man, that hurt. I was like, well, I, I read it here, but I didn't open up the app, and therefore my streak ended. So I had to start all over again. But it's something when you can sit there and look at it and know that I've spent, truly spent time reading God's Word. I've spent time in His Word reading His Bible. But then also spend time in prayer. You know, and I'm not talking them 140 character or less text message prayers. You know, take time and actually take and pray, have a conversation with your Heavenly Father. You know, wake up in the morning, good morning, Lord. See, I wake up in the morning, that alarm goes off, I, I turn it off and I will, good morning, Lord. And I started to have that conversation, and thank God I have another alarm 15 minutes later. Because somewhere while crawling up on my daddy's lap in the morning and starting to have that conversation with him, I fall back asleep. And then that next alarm goes off, and then I, oh my God, where was I in my prayer? So then I make sure that when I actually get up, I take away any distractions so I can take that time in prayer. And he can give me my marching orders for that day. And I can ask him what he wants me to do that day. But then also spend time in prayer throughout the day. Not just over meals, but actually spend time with him in everything that we do. One of the big ones is take time to forgive. You know, if we don't forgive, how are we ever going to grow spiritually? And some of us will forget how much that God forgave us. You know, and be like, well, I'm not going to forgive that person. Well, Jesus forgave you. And do you really think you're better than Jesus that you can't go and forgive somebody? And forgiveness will harbor up so much different inside of you that you've got to be willing to forgive. We all want to get better at what we can do. If you do the same thing every day, you expect to automatically get better at it. None of us want to be the same. Each one of us has to have to get better at new things. And as much as we may hate it, think about it like this. How many of y'all have a smartphone? Go ahead. Probably everyone in the room, right? It's smarter than you. A smartphone teaches you how dumb you are. But think about this. Every one of you have taken time to learn that smartphone, right? I kind of miss the old-fashioned day. You know, with the long cord where you could go across the house and, and hang yourself or your siblings as they ran by. But we all have to learn things. What about in your job today? Does anyone still do accounting with a book? In most cases, it's done on a computer, right? Most of your jobs are now done on what? Computers. They're done with some type of electronic device that you got to push a button or read a meter. You got to do something. The, the actual hand part of it is a lot less than it used to be. You don't dig a trench with a shovel anymore, unless you're Kevin, and you're looking for sprinkler lines. But if you're going to dig something big, you're not using a shovel. 
Because as times change and technology change, we have to change too, which means we've got to grow into something new, right? But none of us like change and none of us like anything new, but yet we'll do new stuff because it's convenient and helps us in our life. Well, imagine doing something new to be more like Jesus, which is what each of us should do and as we're pointing towards him. And, you know, none of us want to get be comfortable. And I think everyone in this room would like to get rid of bad tendencies, maybe a bad habit you got or, or whatever your sin nature is, because each one of us are still sinners. And if you say, I have no sin, then you're a liar. So that's what you got. That's your big sin is you're lying. But each one of us would like to get rid of our sin, right? And each one of us would like to know the enemy so that we could fight the enemy. And unfortunately, some of us know the enemy so well that we hang out with the enemy during the day. The enemy's our best friend because we do what the world wants us to do instead of what God wants us to do. So we got to take that time and, and look to change and be better and build these habits up in our life and stop with the excuses of, well, you know, Pastor, it's just not natural. It's not natural for me to do this. You know, I just, it's, it's not, it, if it was natural, then I'd be able to do it, but because it's not natural for me, I shouldn't do it. That's nonsense. Each one of us do something now that we probably couldn't have done five years ago because it wasn't natural to us before. But by doing it, it has become more natural and, and easier for us to do it. We come up with the excuse, I'm just not any good at it. Sorry, I'm no good at it, so I can't do it. Oh, well, you know, that person's better than I am, so they should do it. But that's their gift, not my gift. You know, I try and concentrate on this prayer thing and, you know, my work just gets in the way. I try and concentrate on God's word. And, and you know, I was reading a book of numbers and I just don't get it. So I'm not going to read anymore. Numbers are just a bunch of numbers and it made no sense to me. So there's no sense in me reading the Bible. And we will use these excuses. And that's exactly what they are. They're an excuse. And it's Satan winning the game against you. Our enemy is win the game when he wins, when you start saying, I can't. We serve a God who can. We serve a God who can give us the power and the strength to do whatever we, he wants us to do. All it requires us is to practice and be obedient to what he calls us to. Now, you notice I said it takes practice. Because... Not too many people are just going to get up and grab a baseball bat for their first time and hit a home run. More people are going to strike out than hit a home run. You will probably strike out more times than home runs you actually hit. Not every wrestler is going to go out there and be undefeated. Not every football player or receiver is going to be able to go out and make a one-handed catch. Not everyone can pick up a guitar or play drums or play piano. It takes practice, it takes work, and you got to continue to move forward. And unfortunately, don't get distracted by the world. You know that whole, oh, natural man and sinful man, and, and you know, natural man is the way I used to be. I, I used to be this natural guy, now I'm this spiritual guy, and, you know, so I put behind me, 
that stuff, and, and now I'm doing good, but man, it was easier. It was easier being a natural man than a spiritual man. It's so much easy just to live in this world. Don't care about nothing. I can go, you know, sin's fun. And most of y'all know, sinning is fun. It's normally fun stuff to do. Until you get caught. <laughs> but, but we'll get so caught up on who we used to be. And like I said, we have Stockholm Syndrome with our old self. I really liked my old self. My old self was pretty cool. My old self did some stuff that my new self will never do. And never think about doing. But my old self was headed to hell. My new self is headed to heaven. And that makes all the difference in the world. That makes so much of a difference. And, and so now you say, okay, pastor, well, that's good. I got to change. But how do I do it? How do I make this change in my life? And, and I actually found a pretty good one. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, in one of his books, suggests the 10,000-hour rule. I think about 10,000-hour rule, and it says this. It's a simple, but it's challenging. Anyone can become an expert in anything if you're willing to put in 10,000 hours of practice. 10,000 hours? Really, Pastor? Do you know how many 10,000 hours is? Imagine if you put 10,000 hours into swinging a baseball bat. Imagine if you put 10,000 hours into catching a football. Imagine if you put 10,000 hours into digging into God's Word. How much closer to Christ would you be if you spent that time and actually took the time doing what God calls you to do instead of playing a video game? Or instead of going on a website you shouldn't be on? Or instead of just sitting there watching regular TV? If we put 10,000 hours into doing what God called us to do, We'd become an expert in Jesus. Think about that. If we're called to be Christ-like, shouldn't we try and be experts in who he is? So doesn't it make sense to put your hours into being more like him? We will put hours and hours into stuff that makes no sense. We'll put hours into, I want to become an expert on the Big Bang Theory. I want to become an expert on this. And you look in the world today, there's so many people who are called experts that you look at and you're like, really? That's an expert? I wonder if they got a third grade education. Especially inside a courtroom. This is an expert witness. Really? This is an expert on this. Really? I bet they didn't put 10,000 hours into it. But if we honestly take that time and do what God calls us to do, and instead of just saying check marks of I did this, I did this, I did this, actually take the time and put in the effort to do what he called you to do. Take the steps to be more like Jesus in everything that you do. People can tell who you are and what you do by your habits. 
Think about that. Your habits tell who you really are. Your habits show who you really are compared to what you say you are. And people can look at you and you can look at yourself and how you spend each and every day and what you do by your habits and what is drilled into you through doing it over and over again and tell you who you really are. Not who you act like when you come into a church. Exactly. A picture is worth a thousand words. People know who you really are by what you really do. Not by the mask, not by the face that you put on on a Sunday morning. So actually take that time and become the expert. Now the Apostle Paul also tells us that we should train ourselves in godliness. And he says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. And understand, being a Christian isn't just about self-discipline. It isn't about following rules. It isn't about trying to do this or that. Being a Christian is becoming more like Jesus. That is our goal. Our goal is to be more like Jesus, which means we're going to talk, we're going to act, and we're going to do what Jesus would do. What would Jesus do? Some of us might think that, oh, well, Jesus would do this, and if it's contradictory to what God's Word says, guess what? That ain't what he's going to do. And then some people get so caught up on, well, Jesus is, is loving, and he's graceful, and he's got all this. Yes, he did. But he also flipped over tables in his father's house. And he fashioned a whip and beat people who, who were going against what his father, what God called them to do. They were making a mockery of God's house, and he took charge. Yes, he is a God who loves. He does have grace. And thank God for that because we're all here today as Christ followers because of his love and his grace. Because none of us deserve it but he willingly gave it to each one of us. The question is, what do we do with it? Are we actually going to do what he called us to do? Theologian Richard Foster talked about virtues and habits, and he said this, virtue is good habits we can rely upon to make our life work. Conversely, vice is bad habits we can rely upon to make our life not work to make it dysfunctional, as we say, so a holy life simply is a life that works. Simply is a life that works. How about creating a habit for a life that actually works? Having a holy life, being Christ-like, trying to do what he called you to do, and actually have a life that works, not a life that you have to work at. Because when we're living this dysfunctional life, it's a lot of work. Ask anyone who's going through Celebrate Recovery or who's been recovered for any amount of time. They didn't just happen to get to 10 years clean on accident. It took work each and every day from day one to 10 years later, still working at it each and every day. No matter what it is. It requires a lifetime of work and guarantee that anyone who's been through Celebrate Recovery, AA, Al-Anon, Narcotics Anonymous, anything like that, if they've been clean for a while, guess what? They've put in 10,000 hours or more. 
Think about nurses and doctors. How many hours have you put in not only going to school, but actually being inside a hospital or inside a doctor's office? Guarantee that 10,000 hours has been and gone. Think about the job you do. If you've been on a job for any amount of time, you've probably put in more than 10,000 hours doing your job, which means you're probably an expert at your job, but most of us would say, man, I ain't no expert. I'm saying they changed the whole computer system again. I got to start all over. God's word is the same today, tomorrow, and yesterday. It is the same. Take them 10,000 hours and put it into doing what God calls us to do. James Smith said this, Our wants and longings and desires are the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. What are your wants and your longings? Honestly, what are your wants and your longings? It should be to be like Jesus. It should be to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And if our wants and our longings are all about Jesus and his word, the wellspring from our actions become our behavior. That's what we're going to do. We're going to seek to do what his word calls. We're going to seek to be more like him each and every day. Habits that cultivate spiritual formation bring change in our life. It will bring that change in our life. And understand, it's not generally going to happen overnight. It's going to be a change that takes some time because none of us are perfect. We're never going to be perfect. And because we're not perfect, we're not going to change overnight. It's going to be a process that we go through, but over time, our habits become our nature. And when our habits become our nature, we start changing who we are because we start being what our habits are. So what's your habit? What is your habit? Is your habit out there looking to to cultivate Spiritual habits to fuel change in your life, to fuel change and fuel growth, or are your habits something that's taking you farther away from Jesus? What's your habit? And truly think about that this week. What is your habit? What, what is your habit that you know you're doing? And if it's not trying to be more like Jesus... Change your habit. Start working on your spiritual habits to, so that you can grow and be more like Jesus. Make a change in your life this week and change what fuels you. And I know while you're in church, you're going to say, oh, I'm fueled by Jesus. But when you walk outside of church, are you really fueled by Jesus? Or are you fueled by the world? You see, there's a lot of people who don't come to Jesus because they know us. They know us. Oh, you're one of them Christians. You're a hypocrite. Man, Christians are mean. They're always judgy. Right? It's the truth. Because we're mean and we're judgy. We're hypocrites. We go into church on Sunday 
and we hang out with Satan Monday through Saturday. We hang out with the world and in the culture of the world. We, we've got this habit of, well, I come to church and I did my check mark. Check marks aren't going to get you to heaven. Check marks are not going to change your spiritual habits for you to grow and be more like Jesus. Yes, they're a start. Coming to church is a good thing. Reading God's word is a good thing. But making it a habit that you do it more and more each day, get them 10,000 hours into being more like Jesus. Because if you put 10,000 hours being more like Jesus, guess what? People will not say you're a hypocrite. People will not say that you're mean. Because you're going to be loving, you're going to give that grace, you're going to give forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. And you know why you're going to give it to people who don't deserve it? Because you didn't deserve it. And he gave it to you. Because none of us deserve it. We're here today because we've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and we want to be more like him. We need to be more like him. So I want you to check your habits this week. What is your habits? And are you really doing what Christ called you to do? And maybe you're here and you're like, well, pastor, that's real good, but I don't know Jesus. How can I have a spiritual habit of following Jesus if I've never accepted Jesus and, and I really don't know him? And Lord, pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done or what I've been doing and maybe what I did right before I walked through these doors. It's okay, he does. And as I said at the beginning, he will accept you and meet you right where you are. Right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. And God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. I'm included in that. I fall short. We're all sinners. But yet Christ, uh, God showed his love for you that yet while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's where it starts. So now after you've you've accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, he will start to change you from the inside out. And it's going to be a process. And it's going to take 10,000 hours or more. We have a lifetime. We have our whole lifetime and then we're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. Make the change in your habit today. If you've never accepted Jesus, make it a new habit. You're accepting Jesus today, and you're going to do what he called you to do. Or maybe you've already accepted Jesus, and you just realized today, man, he ain't my habit. Jesus isn't my fix. I can go without Jesus for a day or two or a week. Jesus should be a fix that you need every minute of every day. And when you don't feel his presence, you should want it more than anything. You should long for his presence. And you only get there by making him that habit. 
Make him that priority in your life that that is what you seek 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Seek him first and everything else will come in line. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your love, your kindness. Lord, especially for your forgiveness. And, and Lord, there's so many times, Lord, we just mess it up. We mess up in this life and, and we get so caught up on everything else. And Lord, we've all built these habits in our life that are focused on stuff or things or jobs or hobbies or whatever it may be that we focus our life on. Lord, I ask if there's anyone here today that is not focused on you or trying to become an expert on you, that they'll change that habit today. And Lord, maybe it's just a matter of they need to finally just make that move and come up here to this altar and, and just give it back to you. And Lord, say, instead of just trying, I'm going to train myself. I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm going to be who you called me to be. But we all know, Lord, it takes you to give us that strength, to give us that vision to be able to move forward, to be who you called us to be. And you've called us to be like you. So, Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes, open our ears, and, Lord, may our May we make spiritual habits to become closer to you. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.